0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Sports by the Hour podcast. Uh, this week, we're going to do Week 10 Reactions. And this is Ethan Schaap. and am Matthew Schwab.
1: So, for the first game we're going to be talking about is the Ravens versus the Bengals. I want to praise Lamar, and I'm going to. But I do want to clarify one thing, and that we the Ravens did play the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals are... Without question, the worst team in the NFL. So, I get where people are coming from when they say, Oh, yeah, Lamar played well against the Bengals. The Bengals are awful. A college team could probably beat them. Keep in mind this. The Bengals are the worst of the best. And by that, I mean, yeah, they're the worst team in the NFL. But they're the worst of the best players in the world. I mean, they're still top quality players compared to everybody else in the country. So don't fault Lamar for like playing well against a bad team. I mean, he still played incredible. He's the first quarterback since 2007, Ben Roethlisberger, to have two games in the season with a perfect passer rating. That's incredible, especially from a guy who everybody has doubted his throwing ability. Everybody doubted his ability as a quarterback. Nobody ever doubted him as a running back. And on a 47-yard touchdown run, he, he showed why we should never doubt him as a running back. Because if you break three players' ankles with one move, that is something unheard of. He looked better than prime Michael Vick in that game. Actually, this entire year, he's outperformed his closest comparison by miles. More passing yards through week 10, more rushing yards through week 10, more rushing touchdowns through week 10, more wins. more wins through week 10 compared to prime Michael Vick. A guy who people saw as a cheat code. Lamar is a cheat code in the NFL. I mean, he he makes the strongest case for MVP because we've seen Russell Wilson have two very much human games. Lamar has had an off day. He had an off day against Cleveland a couple weeks back where the Ravens lost 40-25. to 25. But even then, he still didn't play too, too bad. I mean, what he's done this year, he's revolutionized the game. He's revolutionized an offense. He took an offense led by Joe Flacco. Not 2012 Joe Flacco, that... Through 12 touchdowns to no interceptions in the postseason. No, we're talking about Joe Flacco that is now on the Denver Broncos who gets injured every two weeks and doesn't know what's going on when he's in the pocket. Lamar Jackson revolutionized the position. So I got to give credit where credit's due.
0: Um, To go off the Lamar thing going so well, based off from such a drastic change from Joe to... Uh, Lamar in different QB styles. I think we have to give a lot of credit to John Harbaugh and the coaching staff because it's a huge flip, and for them to do it almost so perfectly, like seamlessly, is pretty impressive. The big takeaway I got from this game that I want to talk about, obviously Lamar Schwab covered that, is Marcus Peters. He just got his third pick six of the season. And watching the Ravens defense play since he's gotten here, he has obviously elevated them to new heights. And the Ravens' secondary is just so elite. They have Humphrey, Marlon Humphrey, and Marcus Peters, who, in my opinion, can make the best corner duo in the league, but then you also have Jimmy Smith, uh, Brandon Carr and as your other cornerbacks, and then you have Earl Thomas, who is a Hall of Famer at your uh, safety position. So the Ravens' defense, especially their secondary, is looking amazing. The next game we're going to talk about is the the Pan- the Packers uh, the Panthers at the Packers. This game was, uh, in my opinion, kind of – it was a good game. It was a good game. Um, offensively, though, didn't really live up to what I wanted. Uh, Aaron Rodgers threw for 233 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. So that was good. Aaron Jones had another three-touchdown game. So he had, yeah, three rushing touchdowns at, for, on 13 carries and 93 yards. And you can see that Devontae Adams is back, and he's 100% healthy because he had – Seven receptions for 118 yards, averaging just under 17 yards per carry. And uh, I should probably do like to talk about uh, the Panthers' offense and the Panthers in this game. I want to talk about
1: Christian McCaffrey and I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers because two of the front-runner MVP candidates, both top five uh, in MVP voting so far, both had very much human games. They've been doing superhuman stuff all year. And yes, Christian McCaffrey, I understand, did still rush for 100 yards. But he looked more he looked more human. and that's that's not something to be scared of because it's Christian McCaffrey. Everything that he's done this year has been fantastic. Um, so it's not to say that he's going to regress over the remainder of the season. Um, I will say that I am slightly worried about Aaron Rodgers, and that is mainly due to his previous health issues. Um, shoulder issues and neck and back issues Um, he only threw for 233 yards didn't have a touchdown quarterback rating was his lowest of the season Um, he looked he looked kind of sluggish out there on the field so I would be a little bit concerned about Aaron Rodgers I don't know if there's a certain health issue that is going on with him but he didn't look like Aaron Rodgers out there. He did not look like MVP candidate Aaron Rodgers.
0: Uh, the next game we're going to talk about is the Steelers at the Rams. Uh, my biggest takeaway, there's three big takeaways in this game. Um, One, Mika Fitzpatrick is on another level this season. He has two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, five interceptions, and one touchdown. He is... Well, this The Steelers' defense is playing amazing, and with the loss of Ben and how they started the year, it's really a hats off to the Mike Tomlin for how he's uh, coached this team. The defense is playing amazing, uh, focal points being Mika Fitzpatrick and uh, Devin Bush, rookie. Uh, also, they're starting their Steelers' O-line. The way that they're, they're allowing this offense to run with Rudolph, who is a struggling young rookie quarterback – or not rookie quarterback, first year starting, drafted last year – is amazing. Like the fact that they're still winning games against good teams. I mean, the Rams, the Rams are struggling, but they're still a good team. Uh, the other takeaway I have in this game is that Jared Goff is really, 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 really bad. Um, he's below average. He he just can't he just can't function without Todd Gurley being 100%. And Todd Gurley, especially this season, with the arthritis in his knee, showing with the arthritis in his knee that he will never be the same running back that he was. Therefore, the Rams have to figure out what they're going to do moving forward for offense because what Sean McVay and they're doing now is not going to work, and it's not working. Um, Schwab, do you have anything else to say about this game? Well, I want to
1: talk about Jared Goff. Most quarterbacks, when you look at a quarterback, you want to find a guy that makes the receivers around him better. Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. Jared Goff did not... Get a single completion to Cooper Cup. When Cooper Cup has the ball in his hands, that Rams offense looks somewhat like what they did last year. I will say the Sean McVay genius card, as people have been calling it, did somewhat expire. Um, but I don't want to I don't want to say it so soon because you never know what you're going to get with them. I mean, he is. One of the smartest coaches in the NFL. I put him right up there with Bill Belichick. Fantastic coach. Jared Goff is just not not good, though. Um, on the other side, though, the Steelers, they have the best offensive line in the NFL. I mean, James Conner has been lackluster this year. I know, but uh, James Conner has been lackluster this year. He's not been himself uh, compared to last year. And Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph is the second most immobile quarterback in the NFL behind Jacoby Brissett. Mason Rudolph running around in the pocket looks like Tom Brady trying to run a 40-yard dash. I mean, there are some offensive linemen in the NFL that could outrun Mason Rudolph. And yet the the Steelers somehow find a way to get it done. And credit a lot of that to their offensive line coach. But credit the majority of it to Mike Tomlin. What he's done this year, this has been a turnaround and a half for him. Mike Tomlin, if the Steelers make the playoffs, I mean, honestly, just hand this man Coach of the Year award. At the beginning of the year, Steelers were a lost cause. They were... They like people saw them in God, they they looked like the twenty seventeen Browns. I mean they, they looked horrible. And Mike Tomlin turned it around. You gotta give loads and loads of credit to Mike Tomlin for what he's been doing for the Steelers this year. So give a lot of credit to Mike Tomlin, give a lot of credit to their offensive line and their offensive line coach give a lot of credit to their defense that's all i have to say on the steelers
0: now the, the next thing we're going to talk about is the vikings at cowboys um this is a big primetime sunday night game i went i picked the cowboys Kirk cousins struggles against teams above 500 and he also struggles in prime time and the cowboys uh couldn't get it done um uh, the the vikings did come in mike zimmer made it very clear that they weren't going to let uh, Zeke Elliott beat them this game they're gonna make Dak throw the ball and that's exactly what they did they held Zeke to 47 yards on 20 rushes which is just absolutely terrible and I don't want to hate too much on Zeke because I like Zeke but I mean it's it's almost unforgiving he 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 played terrible like they went to him on the second and goal third and goal and then they threw it to him on fourth and goal when the game was on the line and he lost three yards in those combined plays. He couldn't be Kendrick's in open space, or he couldn't break Kendrick's on this out route for on the fourth down, and it just was—it was hard to watch. It was hard to watch this team lose, and now the Cowboys and the Eagles are both five and four. Looking at the remainder of the season, uh, the Cowboys have a harder schedule than the Eagles. They do meet up again in Week 16, but it's going to be a close finish. Uh, I think both of these teams would be whoever won would be maybe the weakest division winner uh, in the NFL. But now to talk about the Vikings, Kirk Cousins got done. Oh, actually, before we go to the Vikings, Dak Prescott. I was really impressed with Dak. Dak, Dak completed 60.9% of his uh complete uh 60.9% of his passes for 397 yards. He had three touchdowns with a 101.4 uh, QB rating, and he did throw one interception, which was a hell mary to end the game. So other than that, he didn't throw us interception. Now for the Vikings, Kirk Cousins got it done. Um, he protected the ball mainly. No turnovers. Delvin Cook destroyed and ran through this Cowboys young defense, which was supposed to take was supposed to make improvements with Demarcus Lawrence, getting Michael Bennett, their linebacker core of Van Der Esch, Sean Lee being healthy, but it did not matter. It did not matter, and they cannot stop Delvin Cook.
1: I was high on Delvin Cook at the start of the year. I thought that he was gonna have an amazing year. And to no surprise to me, at least, he's been nothing short of amazing. He's leading the league in rushing yards right now, um, just shy of a thousand uh, at the moment. Which, when you look at the guys like Christian McCaffrey and what he's been doing this year, everybody's been talking about Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey MVP. What about Dalvin Cook? Where's Dalvin Cook been in that conversation? I mean, for the first half of this season, Dalvin Cook was the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins was underperforming. Dalvin Cook was scoring all their points. I mean, nobody, nobody talked about Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook as a running back is doing the same thing in Minnesota as Christian McCaffrey is doing in Carolina. And that is carrying a team. Dalvin Cook has an entire franchise on his back right now. Granted, some of that pressure has been lifted um, with Kirk Cousins, you know, Returning to late Redskins form uh, when he was actually playing quite well. Uh, And he's actually, you know, put up some pretty decent numbers as of late. But Dalvin Cook has been something special this year. So keep your eyes on him for the rest of the year. Uh, The Cowboys. Write them off. Put the Eagles in the top spot in that division. Cowboys don't make the playoffs. I'm I'm sorry. I I don't see the Cowboys making the playoffs. I mean, their defense has looked good on games. Their offense has has looked good some games. But they've had some very winnable games this year where nobody showed up. I mean, they lost to the Jets. If you're expected to be At the start of the year, the Cowboys were Super Bowl favorites. Let's get one thing straight. At the start of the year, everybody hopped on the Cowboys and Browns bandwagon. And both teams have underperformed. This isn't about the Browns, this is about the Cowboys. But the Cowboys specifically, with the amount of weapons that they have, should not be playing like this. These are winnable games. The Cowboys, as a team, are more well-rounded... Than the Vikings are. The Cowboys as a team? Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Leighton Vander Esch, Demarcus Lawrence. That's a, that's a team. That's a deep playoff team. And they've done nothing. They've been inconsistent. One week they get a win, the next week they get blown out. People still want to support the Cowboys and people still want to give them credit. But I don't see it. I, I don't see it. I have them somewhat high in my personal power rankings. But they're not going to make the playoffs. They have a hard schedule for the rest of the year, and the Eagles have a rather easy one. Eagles are going to make the playoffs over the Cowboys, and the Cowboys aren't going to get a wild card spot because right now they're five and four. I don't see them turning this around. I, I, I just don't, especially with their difficult schedule for the remainder of the year.
0: And uh, the last game we're going to talk about is the Seahawks at 49ers. This was the Monday night game. Uh, it was hyped up to be the game of the year. It was the undefeated 49ers going against the Seahawks. Um, and the Seahawks came. It was, it was, a, it was a great game both sides. So the uh, MVP, hands down, in this game, in my opinion, was uh, Jadevian Clowney. He had five QB hits. One strip sack and a touchdown, and the thing that won't go in the uh stat book and that you had to watch the game to really see was that the man, especially after it all happened in the third quarter when they called um his one of his teammates for a uh hit to the quarterback and it gave him a first down. Do you remember when I remember when we were on the yes. yeah and he just was fired up. He was he was laying on the ground staring at the ref, started screaming. And the next play, he goes in and he gets a sack. Or he gets his strip sack. And But other than that, he filled the passing lanes. When Garoppolo does his RPO and he rolls out from the pocket, Clowney was in his face, jumping up, hands up in the air, I think three or four different times where he just took the passing lane for Garoppolo. Where Garoppolo had to tuck it, take a hit, or tuck it and throw it away. He just could not get the pass off because Clowney was in his face, jumping up, anticipating the throws. And it was just nothing like I've ever seen before. He was just... He was just on another level, and he was determined to to play his perfect game, and he was a great help for the uh, Seahawks to get his win.
1: Jadavion Clowney, obviously the game's MVP. Let's get the let's get this straight. I know the Forty ers have a fantastic defense, but I mean that that's really Kyle Shanahan. I mean he he turned that defense around. I mean you look at their defense. Yeah, they have some stars, but they're not as star-studded as the Patriots defense. They're, they're well-coached. They're a well-coached team. They're, they kind of remind me of Patriots defense of the past 20 years. A group of average to slightly above average players, some below average, but are well-coached to the point where, they're all, where they all look like pro bowlers. They're beatable. The 49ers are beatable. And I will say one thing. Everybody wanted to talk about how Russell Wilson performed in the clutch. First of all, Jadeveon Clowney alone was responsible for more points than Russell Wilson. Jadeveon Clowney had a strip sack that turned into a fumble recovery for a touchdown. And then he scored a touchdown himself. Russell Wilson, on the first drive in overtime, threw an interception. Also the ball for a touchdown. Russell Wilson didn't play well. I mean, this 49ers team is beatable. There are flaws in their defense. There are things that Russell Wilson could have done better. I mean, he said before the game, leading up to the game, that he, he projected that it would be a close game and that, they're ready for those moments. Russell Wilson did not look ready for those moments. I am I am sorry, but that interception that he threw was one of the most boneheaded interceptions I've seen all year. And I hate to say that about Russell Wilson, but it's true. It was a play that was on blanket coverage with a safety coming down. So just in case if the corner fell down or something, that safety would have been there to pick it off anyways. It was a bad throw. It was a bad read and it was a bad throw. Russell Wilson had his second worst game of the year. His worst game came against the Ravens. And that was a couple weeks ago. But this game was on Garoppolo. It It was a game that came down to bad quarterbacking. Garoppolo had an off game. Wilson had an off game. This was a defensive battle, and it was a quarterback battle. Two quarterbacks that have been strong the entire year. Two quarterbacks underperformed today, or on Sunday, or Monday. Two defenses. One has been fantastic. That's the 49ers. One, very skeptical. I I mean, the Seahawks defense played fantastic. They outplayed the best defense in the NFL. Like, that's, I mean, Jadeveon Clowney probably did alone, but that was a fantastic game by the Seahawks defense. I was disappointed in Russell Westbrook, uh, Russell Wilson, not Russell Westbrook. But I mean, it's a bad game. Even MVPs have bad games. And I think that he'll move on passes, and I think he'll finish the season as strong as he started it.
0: Um, In Russell Wilson's defense, um, he did bring them back. They were down at halftime. He brought them back to the win with D.K. Metcalf, a rookie wide receiver, Josh Gordon, who's been in Seattle for 10 days at that moment, Uh, Jacob Hollister, who was a tight end that they had on the practice squad at the beginning of the year, Malik Turner, and his best wide receiver, Tyler Lockett, didn't play a single snap in the uh, second half due to a leg injury. And on the day, he had three Receptions for 26 yards. So he did it with very new, young, and inexperienced players, and that's pretty impressive in itself. Um, do you want to talk about the kicker uh, for the 49ers?
1: Can we stop giving him hate? Can we stop blaming this entire game on him, please? I mean, he went three for three before he shanked that. Let's not get the like. Let, let's get this straight. He shanked it. And he shanked it very bad. The kick ended up in the tunnel. That is a horrible kick. But before then, he went three for three, two from forty plus, and hit the and hit the game time field goal to send them into overtime. To
0: send them to overtime.
1: Yeah, he hit the game time field goal to send them into overtime. That game could have been over a lot quicker had he not hit that field goal. Yeah.
0: And um also with McLaughlin, uh he was brand new to the team. <laughs> This is a rookie on his fourth team, and the only reason why he's there was because Robbie Gould was injured in practice on the Tuesday before the game. So it's not like there was even like there was even players on the team that didn't know his name. He was just there, and they expected him to make the kicks and move on. You know what I mean? So I think he's gonna be receiving a lot of hate. And on the day for kicking, he actually did pretty well. Uh, the moment was just a little bit too big. That's what they said on the uh that's what the sports commentators did. But he had to sit on the field for a good five minutes. He had. They came out. They re. They reevaluated the play, made sure it was actually fourth down. Then after that, they took the 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 Seahawks took a 49er uh, took a timeout to ice him, and then they added on a TV timeout. So the man was just out there standing with the whole league watching and the whole stadium going crazy, and I think he just got to him a little bit. But that's there's you're asking way too much of that player that moment to make that kick. At least he caught it.